Yeah. Yeah. All right. Welcome back, golf nerds. Yeah. All right. This is Kyle Serlo, host of the Golf Guide Podcast. Very happy, as always, to have you back with me uh, for just a few minutes of uh, golf talk, getting you caught up on what's going on in the world of golf, and uh, specifically sometimes some happenings here on the Pacific Coast. But, uh, you know, we have a professional heavy episode for you this week. Got some fun stuff. Uh, I'm going to quickly review uh, the happenings that went on down at the Valspar Championship uh, this past weekend. Uh, and then we, you know, later in the podcast, we are going to get amped for this week's match play. The Dell Match Play World Golf Championship is going to be beginning on Wednesday. Uh, in my opinion, it's the best non-major tournament of the year. Not because the tournament itself is the best, but because it's the only time that the dummies who control the schedule of professional events events um, actually showcase match play, which as far as competition goes and guys playing golf at the highest level is it's just simply the best format of golf uh for the professionals from a spectator standpoint so really looking forward to that we're going to be talking to our good friend jess steemack later in the podcast uh as we preview everything going to be going on down at austin country club this week and i got a few other uh items of news to touch on regarding the professional game that uh you know why why wait any longer let's just jump into it right now so as i mentioned uh mr paul casey uh one of my absolute favorite guys on tour um somebody who has had a lot of success over his career i mean paul casey has like 20 career victories and somehow only three of those are on the pga tour and two of those three are the last two valspar championships where he actually successfully defended his title this past weekend to go back to back down at the Copperhead Course down at Innisbrook Resort in Florida. A wonderful weekend of golf for Paul Casey. Really, really good to see him uh, get another W. Uh, I love Paul Casey's caddy. It just seems to be an absolute class act. I really enjoy watching the two of those guys interact with each other. So excellent job to Paul Casey, Um, which was great this past weekend, was how strong the field was compared to what it's been like in years past. And, uh, you know, part of that is because of this uh, strength of play rule where, if you guys are unfamiliar with it, so if a PGA Tour player does not play in 25 tournaments over the course of a year, the PGA Tour then mandates that the following year they choose a tournament that they haven't participated in in at least four years and they have to add that to their schedule. Um and the result was Dustin Johnson, who hadn't played the you know the tournament in Innisbrook since 2010, he was in the field. He was playing in the final group. He didn't you know obviously didn't end up winning it, uh, but really good to see DJ in the field. Obviously Patrick Reed, which <laughs> my goodness, uh, was in the field. I mean, just there was a lot of good golfers playing down there this weekend. Um, they did not have the Tiger bump like they did last year. Obviously, uh, this tournament last year was the first time we saw Tiger Woods with a really legitimate chance to win. Uh, he did come up just short, finishing second to Paul Casey. But, uh, you know, even without Tiger, as far as, you know, let's just call it, just call it what it is, um, like a B, you know, a B event on the PGA Tour, um, the field was really, really good. And uh, I feel very thankful and happy for the fans down there that they got to see some uh, of the world's best players play at the tournament in their neck of the woods. And what I found was interesting, though, is that for the strength of play rule, there is two ways a player can be exempt from this. Either A, they are 45 years or older. So, 
you know, as you get older, you're just not really wanting to play 30 to plus events in a year, understandably. Um, and so for those guys, you know, the older guys, they get a little bit of a pass. And then if you have 20 career victories, you actually get a pass as well. Apparently, you've just proven that your uh, your balls are just so potent and just so just girthy that you just don't have to show up to places that you don't want to go to. And oddly enough, Dustin Johnson, when he won in Mexico earlier this year, actually earned his 20th career uh, PGA Tour victory. So he could have he could have backed out from this tournament this past weekend on a technicality, but uh, good for Dustin Johnson for not doing that and uh, still showing up. He said it. You know, it worked out fine with his schedule and that his golf swing feels great, so why why the hell not play? And um, I think it's a great, you know, that is a great stance to take for just Dustin Johnson. And, uh, again, happy that he was able to participate in that tournament this past weekend. Uh, as I mentioned, Patrick Reed was in the field, but uh, Homeboy shot like 10 over par for the first two rounds of this golf tournament. He has not broken 75 in a few rounds now. Um, missed the cut badly, and it's now being reported that he was working with David Ledbetter uh, Friday after the round. And it wasn't even P. Reed that called him. I guess his wife, Justine, who admittedly we're not massive fans of on this podcast, but to her credit, uh, noticed her boy was just not feeling it. Not just his swing was in a bad place, just wasn't hitting the ball well. And with, you know, <laughs> he's got to defend a Masters championship here just in a few short weeks. So it is of paramount importance that they get this guy's golf swing back into peak form and so she actually is the one that called david ledbetter called him out asked him if he would come and work with him he actually lived in the area of where innisbrook is he said of course he came down so he was working with p reed uh after his missed cut so we will see if that translates into any uh positive results this weekend at the dell match play um another little professional note here which i think is uh, interesting is that nelly corda uh one of the hottest female um golfers on the planet and I'm not talking about appearances, even though she's a very good-looking woman. I'm just talking about purely skill-wise. She is just, what is it? As, as that guy in the YouTube video says, she's hot as a pistol, all right? Nellie Corda is as hot as a pistol, and she has now actually overtaken Lexi Thompson as the top-ranked American golfer, um, which is pretty incredible because I believe that is a distinction that Lexi Thompson has owned um, for several years now. So interesting to see uh, a new top American come uh, to prominence, I wonder if Nelly's going to be able to keep uh, keep the good vibes rolling. Going to keep playing great golf. She's obviously got a great golf swing. She's cute, uh, and she's got a great attitude. And so, uh, very excited and, and you know just to see Nelly just really crushing it. And uh, as I mentioned on last week's podcast, after attending the media day for the Huge L L, L the Huge L Air Premia L A Open, good lord, I know that you know sponsors are kind of what makes this thing happen. But can we just find one sponsor? But anyway ran over um i i have a rejuvenated sense of excitement for everything going on with the lpga tour everybody there just seems to really have their shit together and it seems to be a just a blossoming growing uh tour for professional golfers and on top of that the golf is exceptional world class and on top of that the variety of cultures and players from around the world is so much greater than it is on the other golf tours that it's just really really fun to see all these women from all these different parts of the world come together and have golf unite them as something that uh, we can all celebrate and uh, and gather around. Um, and so, you know, just 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 throwing out some general LPGA Tour love right now. I'm, I'm just super, super excited for the uh, the couple LPGA Tour events we've got coming up on the calendar here in the coming months. Uh, the one down at Wilshire Country Club, 
uh, where I went to the media day last week uh, in April. And then shortly after that, there's going to be another tournament up here in the San Francisco Bay Area, I believe taking place at Lake Merced Golf Club. So uh, that is going to be awesome. If you want to uh, get a real breakdown on the full tour schedule, but if, whether it be for the LPGA Tour, PGA, Seniors, Web.com, if you pick up the newest issue of Pacific Coast Golf Guide Magazine, Volume 22, which is available now at over 1,200 golf courses across the Pacific Coast, you will find that we have full professional schedules in the magazine, all right? So aside from being a resource that you can learn about golf courses, or I should say learn about every golf course on the Pacific Coast, you can also get details on where to find the pros, where you can go watch them to play, among other editorial articles and all that kind of good stuff. So uh, just had to work a shameless little plug for the magazine in there real quick. But anyway, LPGA Tour doing great things. Uh, excited for Nelly Corda as the top-ranked American. And uh, yeah, be exciting to see what she does here going forward. Um Here's another little one, uh, another little tidbit of news that I found to be interesting, and that is that the PGA Tour has suspended Robert Garrigus three months uh, for testing positive for a banned substance. substance. Now, Garrigus has come out and said that the substance in question was, wait for it, drum roll, it's Wade. The guy was smoking Wade. And honestly, I just, I just don't get it. You know, you just don't get it, Scott, do you? I mean, it, it just, <laughs> look, you could certainly make the argument that some guys play better if they're stoned, um, but to call it a performance-enhancing substance um, and suspend a guy th for three months, basically prohibiting him from <laughs> working for a quarter of a year for smoking a joint in the evening when he gets home from work, I'm sorry, I, I, profanities, I, I'm really sorry, that's just fucking crazy, dude. Like, that is, that is absolutely wild. And in fact, if he was playing while he was high, even better. I mean, you can't tell me there's not a single broadcaster out there that would love to be able to highlight just exactly what this guy is doing when he's stoned. Does he have, you know, Cheetos powder on his fingertips while he's swinging? You know, is it, how many Gatorades is he drinking per nine holes? I mean, it would just add a really nice little slice of commentary that I think off is missing and, you know, one other thing that uh, I found to be pretty hypocritical, and this is uh, all credit here to Alan Shipnuck, who mentioned this in a Golf.com piece when I addressed this, and that it is so hypocritical that the PGA Tour seems to be embracing every kind of vice, and ima vice imaginable, um, whether it be gambling, you know, how they're, you know, obviously it's now legalized and they're embracing gambling on golf. I mean, Michelob, for Christ's sake, sponsors Brooks Kepka. I mean, they have alcohol sponsors left and right, and then um, for a guy to be suspended for three months for smoking a joint in his free time, it just seems crazy to me. Um, although, again, in that same piece, uh, Alan Shipnuck did point out that because golf is now an Olympic sport, um, that they are trying to use the Olympic drug testing protocols as part of their uh, drug testing uh, system at the PGA Tour. So, obviously, because cannabis is not allowed um, for Olympic athletes, it, I guess, you know, is therefore not allowed for guys on the PGA Tour. But it's just such a shame because, you know, golf... I mean, I, I first heard this said when I was like 16 about disc golf, how it's like the perfect stoner sport. And I was like, yeah, like disc golf is a great stoner sport, but golf is the ultimate stoner sport. Like we, what what other game or what other sport do you get to go out and go for a four hour walk in nature <laughs> with your buddies? Like it, it's the perfect time to get high. I mean, it, it really is the perfect stoner sport. A lot of people that play golf 
smoke a lot of weed. A lot of people that watch golf smoke a lot of weed. And really, now that it's legalized in so many states around America, um, it would be great if the PGA Tour could somehow find a way to um, not be so harsh with this kind of thing. I mean, it really doesn't seem like it's hurting anybody. Um, you know, all these common misconceptions that have been going around America for the past hundred years about how, you know, dangerous weed is and how it's going to make you rape your neighbors and all this kind of bullshit that all the, that reefer madness BS, you know, kind of started circulating, um, you know, back in the 20th century. It's just, you know, everybody has the internet, you know, like everybody has too much access to too much information to, to think that all that crap is still true. So, um, hopefully the PGA tour can get this right. Eventually it doesn't sound like they're going to do it now, but, uh, uh, big ups to Robert Garrigus for just uh, owning it, and hopefully when he comes back after his drug suspension, um, he will be you know ready to rock and roll and ready to win a few tournaments. And uh, who knows, maybe if he does that, if he's a little bit higher in the world rankings and he comes out, maybe it'll have a little bit more of an impact on them changing uh, changing things. So let's see here. Next order of business. Uh, it has come out in the news that the United States Golf Association, everybody's favorite golf governing body, has hired Jason Gore as a player relations ambassador. Uh, Jason Gore will oversee a team of four people at the USGA uh, as they try to bridge the emotional disconnect that is starting to happen between professional players and golf's governing body. Um, you know, most notably, this it, nobody ever thought this position was even a requirement or even remotely necessary until all this Justin Thomas beef um, with the USGA PR account happened a few weeks ago. And, you know, the USGA felt it necessary to step in and, you know, hire a liaison or a czar of some kind where, you know, basically players could bitch to, uh, this gentleman would filter <laughs> uh, their comments into something more digestible to the powers that be at the USGA and then uh, vice versa. So, um, I mean, I guess of all people to do it, Jason Gore is, a, I guess, a pretty good uh, a pretty good choice. I don't know a lot about Jason Gore. I know he's played uh, professional golf. He's played in a lot of USGA events at a lot of different levels. So, uh, he's very familiar with the organization, and he's also familiar with different levels of golf, uh, be it the amateur game, the professional game. Because, I mean, even though most of the spotlight has been put on the guys on the PGA Tour, um, you know, this this is something that they're trying to work out with all the professional tours and not just the PGA. So um, the fact that he has the experience that he does, um, I, I think it is not uh, far-fetched to think that Jason Gore can do a very nice job with this new task that the USGA has uh, has tasked him with. So. Uh, let's see here. The only other story that I wanted to touch on before we jump to, uh, Jess with our preview for, uh, this weekend's Dell match play is just a quick little story that I found interesting, uh, by Doug Ferguson of the Associated Press, where, uh, he says a study shows a disparity in world rankings points. And, uh, I just kind of wanted to read you a little excerpt from his article, um, just kind of, just to keep in mind, you know, what, uh, is going on, how the world golf rankings are tallied. Um, if it's if it's done correctly or whatnot, and I I'm not saying that there's a, a problem with how they do it now. In fact, I I'm not really sure there is a problem because this is something that's so complicated complicated and massively complex um, that, that there probably just isn't a right solution. But um, the little bit of irony you get in here is is interesting. So I'd be curious uh, after I read this if you have any reactions or if you have any suggestions on how what they should do, uh, please reach out to me. Um, you can find us, uh, you find Golf Guide on Instagram or on Twitter. Um, I guess we're on Facebook too, but honestly, I don't really check it that much. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if you guys have any suggestions here. So uh, here's a little, uh, a little excerpt from Doug Ferguson's article of the Associated Press. Quote, 
Two tournaments on different continents illustrate why PGA Tour players are increasingly skeptical about the world ranking. Against a field as strong as some majors, Tommy Fleetwood shared the lead after 18 and 36 holes, played in the final group, and was still in the mix at the Players' Championship until a tee shot into the water on the 17th hole. His three-way tie for fifth was worth 16.53 ranking points. Earlier that day, Guido Migliosi won his first European Tour title at the Kenya Open, which until this year was a challenge tour event. The strength of its field was slightly weaker than the Bunshu Rugnat Championship on the Asian Development Tour in January. Miglizioli, or I'm so sorry, Migliosi received 24 ranking points, the minimum for a European Tour win, end quote. So basically, somebody got more points for winning a tournament against a really, really weak European Tour field in Africa than Tommy Fleetwood did for a top five finish at the Players' Championship. Now, here's the thing. I'm not actually saying that's wrong. I, I, I own it. Like, as crazy as that sounds, I'm not sure that's wrong because it, later in Doug's article, he brings up the point that, you know, if you're only rewarding points for guys who are finishing, you know, high in PGA Tour events, then all, you know, basically you have to be playing in America and on the PGA Tour to have any chance of climbing up the world rankings where the whole point is to get, um, a, you know, a representation from almost like 20 different tours, I think they have um, the world golf rankings figures into. So, um, I don't know if there's a right answer, but I, I thought it was a really interesting discussion. I found it to be fascinating, and I just wanted to share that um, with all of you guys. So, all right. With that being said, uh, we got uh, we got a little discussing, some some match play talk to do with Mr. Jess Stemek, uh right after this. All right. Boat, Mr. Jess Stemek joining me. Boat, thank you so much, man. I was, uh, I was doing the podcast a little bit earlier, and uh, when it got to the match play thing, I was like, you know what? This is something that cannot be tackled alone. The match play is my favorite non-major tournament of the calendar, and not because I love Austin Country Club, not because I think the tournament itself is fantastic. It's just the only time that I actually get to watch the best players in the world play in my personal favorite format. What are uh, what, what are your thoughts going into the match play this weekend? Oh, it's great. Anytime you get to see the pros play match play, it's, it's special. Um there's, you know, some guys are built for match play, and some guys it's like, well, is he going to have a hot day? Is he going to have a bad day? Uh, I love match play format. I just and the U.S. Amateur is still one of my favorite tournaments to watch. Oh, 100 percent. I I think I've said this on the podcast. Yeah, obviously, the Ryder Cup, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. I love match. Play. Yeah, dude. I mean, the fact that there's not a tournament on the PGA Tour calendar where the formatting is the same as the U.S. Amateur, where you have like, yeah. you know, 36 holes of like stroke play qualifying and then seeding based on score. Yeah. I mean that. That almost just seems like a no-brainer for the Tour Championship, and it just makes no sense to me why this is the only time we get to watch the guys uh, engage in match play. It's 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 yeah. simply the best. It's a whole whole different animal. Oh man. Anyway, so as we're going to this tournament this weekend, um, as you are probably aware, and I'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast are probably aware as well, but it is no longer a just pure, you know, uh, elimination type situation where you got a bracket of 64 guys, you know, March Madness style. And you get eliminated. Yep. Um, stuff's going to start on Wednesday where there's going to be what they call pool play. They have 16 groups of four guys. And then whoever has the best record of those four guys after Friday will then go straight to the round of 16 where they'll have the uh, uh, the round of 16 and the round of eight on Saturday and then the semifinals and the final on Sunday. Um, I got to tell you, man, there are some really, 
really fascinating groups. And and, and really, my, what there I, really is. I mean, what, what basically I want to do is I kind of just want to go group by group, and then just yep. get some of your thoughts on this group, and then maybe you can get you know if, if you can give me a maybe a prediction on who uh, who you expect to not only advance from the group, but uh, you know, and any predictions you can get on you know. You know, potential, you know, Miguel Angel Jimenez, Keegan Bradley type altercations would be would would be wonderful as well. Kyle, this is gonna be really fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. I, I'm gonna quit wasting your time, my friend. I'm just gonna jump right into it. So it looks like uh, I'm looking at a golf.com article that they posted a few hours ago, where they have all the uh, the groups listed, and I'm just gonna start and basically by world ranking. So the first group will have the number one guy, second group will have the number two guy, so on and so forth. All right. Yep. Okay. So group number one. Uh, the man who was not able to close at Innisbrook at Copperhead this past weekend, Mr. Dustin Johnson. And then you have uh-huh. Hideki Matsuyama, number 40 in the world, Brandon Grace, and number 55, Shez Reevy. Thoughts, my boat? Uh, Matsuyama's bad form uh, <laughs> coming in. But it, if he's, he's one of those guys, if he gets in that fairway and green mode and Dustin is you know going more for broke and trying to hit the gas pedal that if Dustin doesn't have his a game and Matsuyama has a pretty decent, you know, ho-hum fairway green, not forcing the issue type day, that could be an issue. Uh, I think that the interesting matchup is where you get the bomber and the way they're going to set up that course. Like it's going to be a risk reward for my remember oh, a lot of the holes out there. hundred percent. Yeah. Chaz Reedy just, he just, he reminds me of the way of, Bob Borwitz used to play. He just <laughs> plugs along. You know what I mean? <laughs> just plugs along. Doesn't hit it far. Uh, you know, he's he's got to be average at best in length. But I like how he's been popping up recently the last 18 months yeah. on these leaderboards. And you watch the guy play when he gets some TV time. And he's so darn consistent. Nothing, like, very rarely do you see him spray a shot. Like, he's a very underrated ball striker out there i love the way the guy plays the game yeah do, do you think that's more of an advantage or a disadvantage for match play in terms of just a guy that makes a lot of pars and the occasional birdie as opposed to a guy who maybe makes a lot of bogeys but he also makes a lot of birdies the, for me in, in the match play i've played it's really frustrating when a guy is never out of a hole mm. absolutely uh, you know it does things a gunslinger you know what i mean yeah he's he started to play a little bit more safely but he's still a risk taker. Yeah, uh, when 100%. you hit it that far, sometimes sometimes you got to play the you know the hand you're dealt, and he's not going to back down. No. Um, but it's it that it's a, a very interesting venue for it. I think that'll be a great match. Brandon Grace has kind of, I, I think his world ranking is probably a little bloated just because he plays some on the European and some in South Africa and stuff like that. Yeah. He, I mean, a, for a while there, I mean, people forget. He was going to win that U.S. Open that Spieth won Absolutely. up in Washington mm-hmm. until he hit one of the worst three woods I've ever seen in my life <laughs> when he hit that ball out of bounds right of the fairway. I mean, oh, man, I totally right forgot about the, that. That was right of the native. That was so far right with a three wood. It, I don't remember if Tracer was on that ball flight, but it was like, oh, <laughs> he is looking way right. If if there was pro Tracer there was on like that, a, it got broken. Oh, there was like a walking path <laughs> over there or something, and you saw, oh, that was. So he's he's falling on hard times. If he was in better form, I would think he would be uh, a really good contender to give Justin or 
pardon me, Dustin Johnson to run for his money. Yeah, man. But I'm I, really intrigued by that, by that really matchup. I think that's going to be a fun one to watch because you can get total opposites in ab- strategy and the length and, and, and player shot ability. That's going to be a really cool matchup. Absolutely. And, and uh, I have to fight the urge almost to like ask you for like a prediction because the thing is, yeah. I, I think kind of like the the no brainer is obviously just to pick like the top ranked guy, but I kind of keep like keep reminding myself like this field like sixty four of the top sixty six ranked players in the entire world are in this one yeah. golf tournament, and like if you're one of the best like seventy guys in the world, you can beat any of the other guys on any given day if you're playing well. So maybe maybe I'll skip yeah. on the predictions and just kind of just because uh, it it just it seems pointless. So uh, group number two, this is actually one of my favorite ones of the entire group, and this is. This, these guys are bringing heat, um, and a yep. lot, a lot of European flair here. So we got Justin Rose, world number two, uh, Gary Woodland, who's been playing great golf the last couple of years, um, Eddie Pepperall, who, who, the world seems like they're finally figuring out who Eddie is. I mean, mm-hmm. admittedly, I hadn't heard a lot about Eddie Pepperall until last year's Open Championship when he came out. Yep. Drunk as a skunk and fired what was like a sixty four or something like that or sixty five at Carnoustie, yep. <laughs> and then yeah, it's just so awesome. And then uh, world number fifty three, Emiliano Grillo. Um, th- thoughts on this uh, this European group here? Uh, Justin Rose is, I mean, t- too consistent. He he's going to absolutely breeze through that pool. Yeah, I mean that's just crazy though because Gary Woodland, it just seems like he's so fucking solid. I like Eddie Pepperall, and uh, I, but it seems like Justin Rose is just too good right now. He's so, a, he's a he's a step above those guys. He's a machine, man. I I yeah I, yeah, I, I love watching Justin Rose play, um, especially right now. Well, uh, let's see here. Let's move on to group number three, here, my man. Um, 2018 Player of the Year, Michelob Ultra Spokesman, Brooks Kepka, <laughs> uh, Alex Noren. Uh, Hao Tong Lee and number sixty Tom Lewis. Let me just prove to you how much of a shitty uh, golf podcast host I am here for you, Boat. I'm not actually 100 percent sure who Tom Lewis is. He's he's an Englishman, and that's all about it. Now. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, a, little, a little bit smaller in stature. Okay. Um, plays pretty good on the European Tour. Uh, that's where he's getting all his world ranking points. Okay, fair enough. Uh, has has done absolutely nothing over here in the states. Got it. I, I was um, I was reading over the pairings earlier, and I read his name. I was like, I should I research him before the podcast starts? And I was like, you know what? what? You can't be dishonest with these people. They're coming to me for for golf prognostication. I can't just lie to them and tell them you know a bunch of fucking Wikipedia facts that I just found out. I'm, I'm just gonna tell you guys, I have no idea who this guy is. But because I don't know who he is, I like his chances. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, how only he's he's gotten a little bit better every year. It seems like he. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't. There was one tournament where he scared uh, a win. Um, Alex Norn, we talked about that. One of the worst rehearsal golf swings you've ever seen. Yeah, and right. the real thing is not is not much prettier. Um, <laughs> I think if Brooks brings his B minus game, he gets through that pool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's 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 he can. Norn isn't long. How long? I don't think is. He might be a little above average. And I don't think Tom Lewis does. I think Brooks Kepka might be able to just impose his will on those guys. Yeah. Um, I just don't think they're, they're going to really struggle to hit it inside him. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, like, I feel like if Brooks Kepka, and I guess the same could be said for like Dustin Johnson and Rory, but I mean, if those guys, if their short game is really good and their wedges are good, yeah. 
I almost feel like they can't lose because Austin Country Club, at last year, I don't know if they've changed the setup at all this year, but last year it was playing at 6,600 yards. You know, it's not, yep. it's like the shortest, you know, routing they're going to play on tour anywhere this year. And these guys who hit the ball like 330 plus yards, if they're driving the ball well, all they really have to do is be able to just be money with their with their wedges all day and then they're going to have tap-ins for birdie and it's just hard to imagine a guy like brooks kepka losing if a driver and a wedge is working you know oh i don't think it's i, I, I think we're totally on the same page he's okay. gonna have a bunch of wedges and yeah you know he, he'll, he'll be able to hit like a five iron or four iron on some of the tees where those other guys are three, three or hybrid <laughs> the guy's he, he's just he's you really like a guy in a math play corner. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, I guess same could be said for the guy leading the group in number four, uh, one of the hottest golfers on the planet, uh, uh, Mr. Rory McIlroy, and he is going to be uh, playing here with fellow uh, fellow Euro Matthew Fitzpatrick, along with Justin Harding and number sixty four in the world, Luke List. You know that Justin Harding guy—he's won like five times in the last twelve months. Uh, a lot of smaller European tour events mm-hmm. and some sunshine tour events. He's hot. He's playing. He's in great form. Uh, that being said, I think he's the worst in this group by far. Really? Uh, Luke List, same type deal. The guy hits it so far. If he's on, he could, he could, if he's going against Fitzpatrick and Fitzpatrick is not make a putt, that's going to be an easy match. Mm-hmm. The Luke List, Rory McIlroy match is going to be awesome to watch because those guys if they're if, if they're getting after it and hit a bunch of drivers and taking on some dog legs and some small landing areas that's going to be like fireworks watching those two hit the driver yeah 100 percent, 100 percent agree yeah that's that's going to be a really fun match i'm not have you seen anything to know what uh what days which matches are going to be taking place in the uh the group stage I haven't. Okay. Yeah, I haven't either. So yeah, but just make sure that everybody set your uh, set your DVRs for that Rory McIlroy Luke List uh, Luke List match. That should be pretty sweet. Um, yeah. Hopefully that one gets some TV time. Yeah. Now that would be awesome. Uh, let's see here. Number f- uh, group number five. This is a group that I, admittedly, am not super amped for. Uh, you got Justin Thomas, uh, Keegan Bradley, Matt Wallace, and Lucas uh, Biergard. You know, you got like Keegan Bradley and Matt Wallace both on pretty good form. Justin's kind of like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, mm, you, you don't, you just don't know. Keegan uh, Bradley is, you know, like one of the really good ball strikers. He's going to hit a lot of fairways and a lot of greens. Tough match play opponent. He's, he's not going to give away a lot of holes. You know what I mean? Um, which is h- half of match play is winning pars with holes or, uh, you know, winning, sorry, winning holes with pars. Um, if he doesn't make it difficult on the opponents, then I, Justin Thomas, I probably like we talked about uh, with Rose, probably just a, a little bit of a, of a step ahead class wise. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Do you think if the USGA sends Jason Gore out to sit on the first tee to heckle him, <laughs> you know, new USG, you know, USGA player <laughs> tour liaison? Do you think that's going to fire JT up, or do you think that's going to that's going to get him really zoned and just dialed in? I think that would just increase his focus. That's so funny. Best, yeah, best guys in the world. Just using it as a motivator. Good for him. Um, so let's see here. Number uh, group number six, the one and only Bryson DeChambeau, uh, world number seventeen, and one of my favorite Aussies, Mr. Mark Leishman, uh, the Barn Rat, and Russell Knox. That's actually like a sneaky, really good group. 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Russell Knox, super consistent. Yes. Poppy Barnard gets better every year. Leishman is just a match play bulldog. Yep. Um, he, he, Leishman is a guy you do not want to face. Uh, Deschambeau, I, I, I don't. I mean, obviously he's good at match play. He won the U.S. Amateur. I don't know if he's in as good as form as he was towards the end of the year. Um, I, I don't. You know, we haven't heard or you know he hasn't been playing a lot. I expect Leishman. Uh, yeah. To to get through that group. Yeah, I hundred percent agree, man. And. and... It's one of those things where I've I've listened to a lot of uh, interviews with Jeff Ogilvy uh, over the years talking yeah. about you know just playing a ton of match play growing up and it just uh, it seems like growing up down in the sandbelt or growing up in Australia and New Zealand match play was just so much more common yeah, than it ever was yeah. for us growing up here and it's kind of translated where it seems like all these Austra- a lot of these Australian guys are just absolute nuts dude when it comes to match play and it's kind of evidence yeah. I mean besides Tiger Woods do you know who the only other two guys to win this tournament three times are. Uh, I'll give you a clue. They're both Australian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got. Uh, it's Jeff Ogilvy and Jason Day. I was gonna say Jason. Day. Remember yeah. when they that 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 uh, course uh, Dove Mountain? Uh, that was a, that was a cool venue. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. This this Austin Country Club as a venue for this, I think, is actually pretty awesome. But. Uh, It'll it'll be yeah. fun to hopefully see where where it goes next. I, I kind of like the idea of this event switching up every couple of years. So, uh, anyway, yeah. but that that is a murderous group right there of Deschambeau, Leishman, the Barn Rat, and Russell Knox. So that that is going to be a really fun one to watch. Um, group yeah. number seven. Uh, this is one that doesn't necessarily have a lot of juice, but I I would expect oh. it to be really high quality golf, and that is uh, Frankie Molinari, Webb Simpson, uh, Thorbjorn Olsen, and Satoshi Kodera. Thoughts, my man. Uh, Molinari, we don't know if he's in good form. Webb Simpson has probably a decent amount of match play experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you just you got to go Molinari there. I just it's like you said, it's there's not a lot of intrigue here. Uh, Thunderbear, uh, Torbjorn, a couple years ago, I would have really liked his chances because I really like his just consistent. Peter Green game, mm-hmm. uh, but I think Molinari is probably just a—I keep saying it—but probably just a little step above these guys right now. Yeah, but and, Simpson, I would as much as I would like to say I, I expect Webb. Um, I think Molinari is the guy there. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, if I had to be pulling for somebody, I think I'd be with you. Where I, I just really like Webb Simpson, but uh, Frankie, I, I, do. Mean, I think he's a really nice guy. But I mean, Frankie is. I mean, the guy has won like in the last month. So, I mean, his golf game, you got to assume is pretty good right now. Um, yeah. so we'll see what happens there. All right. Group number eight, full of storylines. All right. Just guys, oh, guys, who, guys who have been in the news, uh, John Rom with, by the way, I we have to take a slight digression here. What was going through your mind at the players championship when John Rom decided to go for that green? I told it, I told the story to my high school kids. I'm like, do you guys watch, John Rom just absolutely burn five hundred grand, <laughs> uh, and they're like, "No, it can't be that much." And I'm like, "I'll bet you the difference in purse was probably about five hundred grand." Uh, you know, finishing where he did versus if he would have made par, and uh, it was right around five hundred grand. Yeah. They, and I go, I go, just imagine being the caddy, right? Oh, so, that was a fifty thousand dollar argument I lost. Oh. 
That poor fucking guy. Uh, I didn't even think about it until oh. just now. I'm like, oh, what a fucking, oh, oh it's so brutal. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking back home that the girlfriend was canceling flights, canceling rooms. Um, that was hard to watch. Uh, and that's, you know, he's the, he, and then I see Rom like in an interview. He's like defending his fieriness and he's like, yeah, I just need to tame it a little bit better. And it's like, you think? Yeah. <laughs> try to, to hit this massive high snap hook out of the sand bunker like i don't i don't know how many people that have that shot it's like dude i know you're a pro but i mean jesus christ think, think about what you're trying to do right now <laughs> yeah that was not the percentage oh, play no and uh, i want to see one kim very good form see kim is great and uh, then you have one of the world's most generous uh generous people in matt kuchar uh <laughs> And 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 Speedy Gonzalez himself, JB Holmes. I mean, they're, they're, this is a group full of top-notch storylines. There's a lot of, all these matches are going to be so good. Um, <laughs> JB Holmes. I mean, it, as far as he hits it, Rom. We saw what he did. I think Rom did pretty well here last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's hard to say. I mean, Kucher is just like you guys, just like built for match play. Nothing gets to him. Let's go, you know, just did next hole, next shot mentality. Uh, J.B. Holmes can still overpower a golf course. He is a great wedge player. If he gets a hot putter, I I, I think he could come out of this group. Yep. Uh, but I, I, I think Rom, the form, he's been playing well. Success there last year. Obviously likes the golf course. Um, maybe just a hair more firepower. Um, you know, I, I still, it, it, believe me, Cooch needs a couple of good things to go to his way, uh, go his way, but I, I think I'd probably go with Rom here. Yeah, Rom's got me just a little more, maybe a touch more firepower. Yeah, I mean, I will say this: I fucking love Siwoo Kim's golf swing. It, it he is oh. just, dude. The, the guy is just he makes such a good move. Out oh of man, he is a complete savant. And uh, I will say this: if JB Holmes manages, whether he wins or loses, but if he wins or loses, like five and four. Golf fans will be celebrating. It'll be the first time he's played a round of golf in less than four hours in probably <laughs> a decade. Incredible, absolutely incredible. There, uh, I, I imagine there will be some TV time devoted, especially in match play. <laughs> you know, if he if he just decides to take an extra thirty seconds just <laughs> just to sweat out his playing partner. There's that, like you said, there's some good storylines in that. Play. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess it comes where I don't know. If, I guess John Rahm would have to be it, but is there anybody in that group that if J.B. Holmes is just taking an obnoxiously long time to, one, just naturally set up himself, but also like to kind of you know get under the skin of his opponent, do any of those guys actually have the stones to call him out and get in an argument with him? Siwoo Kim, uh, absolutely say, not. Uh, 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 no, he's, no, he's too much of a gentleman. Yeah. Cooch might do it in a, a kind of a ribbing way. Uh, he's a pretty good ribber out there. Uh-huh. I think Rahm... He, he would probably say something just because Sergio would, and you know he's, he watched Sergio his whole life. Um, and you know the, those those Spanish guys are feisty. Uh, yeah. I, I think Ron would probably say something. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope that happens. Um, let's see here. Group number yep. nine: uh, the X Men, Xander Schofel, uh, Rafa Cabrera Bello, Tyrell Hatton, and uh, Lee Westwood. The ageless we Lee Westwood. Yeah, Lee. What you do not want to face Lee Westwood. Uh, Terrell Hatton, kind of the same type deal. Um, Cabrera Bello, like he's been in good form. Uh, not in the, not exactly. He's, I mean, he's 29 in the world. Um, and then Shoffley, you know, he's cooled off a little bit. Uh, 
if this tournament were to be played in like February, I would have been like, oh, Shoffley all day. Um, this one is, I've got this one written down as one of my tosses. Um, I could see any four of those guys getting through. Yeah. I really could. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, no one jumps off the page of me there. No, and the same goes for me. And I was going to if there was ever going to be a player in this thing who was ranked 60 or worse in the world that has just now squeaked in this tournament, even though I'm not sure he's even playing great golf right now, just in the fact that he seems really good uh, in a match play format, I I wouldn't even, I just wouldn't be that surprised if Lee Westwood somehow comes out of this thing. The guys, he's one of the top leading point getters for, I mean, the guy's unbelievable in the yeah. Ryder Cup. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you just it's if you you know you know he's gonna hit it good. If the guy's hooping putts, you're just like, oh, of course I freaking draw Lee Westwood, who who never thought he would be sixty two in the world. You yeah, know what I, I mean? Yeah. Like that guy had to have a that guy had to be top twenty five for like forever. Uh, that's a you draw Lee Westwood as the D player, you're like really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the crazy thing is, like, it seems crazy, but there's actually still a couple groups here where it is basically just a slaughterhouse. Like, it's just going to be four guys that are absolutely just murking each other for three straight days to just try to have a chance to make it to the round of 16. And so, I, I, let, oh, let, yeah, let, let, let's jump to group number 10 here. I, I wouldn't necessarily We're call... This is, one. this is, oh, this group, sneaky. This group is very sneaky. I was going to say, this one doesn't have the star power of uh, a couple of the other groups that we're going to talk about here, but uh, this one is amazing. You have Paul Casey... Fresh off a victory at the Valspar, uh, young gun Cam Smith, Charles Howell the third. I mean, I mean, let's. Is there a more? Has been a more consistent golfer over the last twenty five years in CH three? I don't know. And then you have uh, the up and coming young uh, young Mexican Abraham Answer, who's been playing phenomenal golf as of late. So this is, I, I I agree with you completely, and this is a sneaky excellent group here. No, hardly anyone knows about Cameron Smith, but those that do are probably giving this guy a, a fighter's chance to come out of this pool. 100%. The guy is a stud. And a lot of people aren't going to remember he finished second in the open this piece. Right. That guy played unbelievable. That three-wood hit on 18 was so good. Um, the opposite of Brandon Grace's three-wood. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Charles Howell III, uh, I forget which website had it, but they did a recent uh, top 18 career earnings. And he is like in the middle of that list. Yeah. He has made so much money; <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, and I'm so happy. Like we talked about last time, he won at Sea Island earlier in this this year's rotation mm-hmm. um, on the you know this year's money list. But uh, and then answer the guy just he, he's he's starting to show up. Uh, that's a it, at the form he's in. He's a real tough 58. Yeah, he's good. He's definitely man. not playing. He's not playing like a D player. No, um, he's, he's he's playing really well right now. That's a that's a that's going to be a that's going to be a great pool, great pod. Hundred percent agree. Hundred uh, percent. Let's see here. Group number eleven, the man with the most tremendous stress on tour, Mr. Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, oh, the flow, dude. My my, per, my personal favorite non Big Easy South African is Louis Oosthuizen, uh, and yep. then you have. Kyle, yeah, Kyle Stanley and uh, Byung-Yun An. Um, again, I, I feel like I could say this for 11 groups already, but another very strong group. 
Ben on hasn't won on our tour yet, but he won one of the big events on the European tour. I think it was the BMW uh, PGA champ, mm-hmm. uh, PGA. Um, the guy's really good. Kyle yeah. Stanley is kind of one of those guys where it, it, it can be hot or cold. When he's on, he's really good. Yeah. And he plays really confidently, and he doesn't lay up a lot. He goes right at flags. And then Louie, Louie's back in form. It's great to see. You know, he's struggling with a putter, and he's struggling with a wrist injury. Um, this is a really interesting uh, pool here. I mean, Fleetwood seems like he – it seems like his bad days are still pretty good. Um, yeah. I, I don't see him – I don't think I see him sweeping, but I don't see him – I don't see him losing more than one match. Um, no, I think I think out of those, I think it's either going to be Fleetwood or Louis that gets through just because of Louis' recent form. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, both those guys, oof, I wouldn't want to be the, the pot above them. Uh, no, Leash like Leishman, Fleetwood or Leishman. Houston would be a really good second round. Ooh, yeah, I would like that a lot. And on top of that, I, I still have that Ryder Cup fresh in my memory. And it, yeah. Tommy Fle- Tommy Fleetwood is good at these things, man. He's he's no, really he good at golf. Did you know? He's a really good at match play. Yeah, absolutely. He's always been pretty good for the for the uh, international team in the Presidents Cup. Hundred uh, so percent. These guys these guys have a good amount of. Uh, I mean, Louis got more match play experience just because he's older, but. Um, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough between those two. That's a toss up for me. Yeah, it's gonna be brutal. Now, group number twelve. This this has got to be the most star packed group of the bunch. Is, is it? W- would you agree? Oh, they're just looking around at each other, going, "What?" I mean, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> Phil has twenty in the world. It's like, well, okay, Phil twenty in the world, but like, if he has a day, he plays like number one in the world. Exactly. Like, Phil could go. Phil could go rattle off 10 birdies in the first five to 15 holes and be like, well, that was fun. Shake my hand. <laughs> Stenson, Stenson is just is so good at match plays. He's so a Swedish golf robot. I mean, he, Henrik Stenson is fucking amazing. And then, oh, by the middle way. Of the fairway, middle of the green, and the hottest almost 50-year-old, Jim Furyk. Oh. These guys are like, oh, really? Yeah, right. Jim Furyk is playing less because he was a – the Ryder Cup captain, so he's only 52 in the world instead of 22 in the world. Yeah, well, Jim Furyk is a deep player is an absolute joke. That guy's not going to give you a hole. He's no. not going to make any mistakes. You're going to have to make eagles to top his birdies. But you're going to have to play. You're going to have to take it deep to beat Jim Furyk. Yeah, 100%. And then, oh, by the way, arguably maybe the most yeah. talented of all of them is three-time champion Jason Day. That is a gauntlet. Yeah. You know, he had the, the back injury. Got some cortisone shots. <laughs> played better the next week. This that's really treating That's that's just a some firepower in that group. Whew. Yeah, it's hot, hot, hot. All right, yeah. I, got that as, I got that as my top group. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, let's see, number thirteen. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Eldrick, um, and then you have you know I, I I've heard of him before, but then you have Patrick Cantlay, Brant Snedeker, and. Last year's Byron Nelson uh, winner, Aaron Wise. This is also another sneaky, really good group. Even without Tiger, this is a really, really good group, I think. You got Cantlay and Wise, who just absolutely murder it off the tee. And then you've got Sneds. If he gets hot with that little pop stroke of his, as I remember, the greens look pretty sweet yeah. uh, here at <laughs> Yes, yes, I, so I remember I, something I imagine similar. he's... He's licking his chops. This is 
this is an awesome. This is why this tournament is so great. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got the young guys. You got the guy Schnedeker, who's the least consistent out of all four, and then you got Tiger, who's we don't know. You know, it's what kind of are you going to keep climbing Tiger? You're 13. What's the plan? Um, has a little bit of match play experience. Uh, a little uh, bit. Just a little bit. Uh, this is going to be really cool. Um, you know, can't leave the Southern California guys. Neds. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, unfortunately, uh, I, as much as we'd like to see Tiger come out of this pod, I think Cantlay does. Yeah, Cantlay. I, I wouldn't even be that surprised to see Sneds either, but I think Cantlay is actually probably the safest bet. I, I don't have the odds in front of me, but he, I mean, obviously, yeah. with all the Tiger you know lovers out there, I'm sure he has the best odds, but yeah. I, I think the yeah. the true golf gamblers out there would probably be putting some cheddar on, uh, on Cantlay. Um, yep. yep, yep, I'm right there with you. Let's see. Uh, group number 14. I've only got three left. Damn, this is so much fun. I want to end. This is another incredible group here. Uh, all four guys, I honestly think, have an equal chance of coming out of this group. you got Tony Finau, uh, Ian Poulter, who may or may yeah, No, he does have a little bit of Ryder Cup experience. Uh, Kevin Kisner. And then, you know, I mean, recent, you know, Honda Classic champion, Keith Mitchell. I mean, that that is another stout group. I mean, here's the thing, though. One of these guys has crunchy peeing on his bag, and the other three do not. Yeah. And you, you got to like Keith Mitchell's chances here. I look at this, and I'm like, all right, so Fina's like, uh, so I got Ian Poulter as a B player <laughs> in match play, and then I got Kevin Kisner as a C player, who all he does is just hit fairway ingredients and yeah, right. can get all with the putter. And then I've got one of the hottest guys on tour as my D player. This is great. This is good. Oh. Good. That, that feels. This is I, I. So I did an easy draw. Worst. This is the worst draw. Yeah. And I have one player listed, and it's Finau. Yeah. <laughs> Finau got the worst draw possible. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And honestly, like that's the thing. If Tony Finau doesn't come out of this thing, it's like, who's gonna blame him? Like who, who who would possibly be like oh Tony Fino like really messed up? It's like I did he though? Like I I, I don't I really don't know if he did. These guys are really good. Play three fourteen hole matches and be like twelve under for the week. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, this is a horrible draw for Fino. Yeah, poor guy. All right, we'll, we'll we'll cut Tony a break. We'll go to the next one now. I actually have a question for you on the article yeah. that I'm seeing. I actually only have three players. Listed for number uh, for the number fifteen group, they don't actually have the fourth player listed. Do you have all four players on your end? I do. Okay, so uh, go ahead, go, go ahead and drop Watson, them for me. Bubba Watson is your A player, fifteen in the world. Mm-hmm. Jordan Spieth is your B player, twenty eighth in the world. Didn't think I was going to be saying Jordan Spieth, twenty eighth in the world for about another twelve years. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Billy Ho. Is thirty eight in the world and Kevin Nananana. Oh, Nananana is a D player. My word. Yep. Yeah, Kevin Na is a D player. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's another. I, I think. I think. In, if it wasn't at, in his backyard at one of his courses, he played a good amount when he was at Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his form, that would be like a walkover. Billy Horschel looks to be rounding in the form. Yeah. Uh, match play. He's one of those bulldog types. Uh, I guarantee Bubba Watson is not happy about drawing Billy. <laughs> um, and then Kevin Dawson playing good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, another uh, he's one of those guys that'll probably 
potentially get under your skin with his idiosyncrasies. Um, <laughs> another slow player that just the, the stuff, he, you know, the Tiger making fun of him for how he got the ball out of the hole with the players. Uh, little things like that in a match play format where it's mono and mono can either make you focus or they can rub you the wrong way a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be, you know, Bubba's the same way. Bubba match plays. Going to be so fun to watch. Oh, absolutely! He's going to try and hit. And um, I mean, he, and he's won this tournament. I mean, he he's he's yep. a proven good match play player. I mean, uh, yep. Yeah, I just wonder. I just really want Jordan Spieth to not be terrible and make this thing a little bit interesting. That 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 is really what I want out of Group Number Fifteen. What the what the golf world needs is a little Jordan Spieth momentum heading into a little place called Augusta. Augusta Georgia. National. Yeah, that would be what? because. He's one of the guys, if he's there on the weekend, he just makes it better. 100%. 100%. Actually, and him, 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 very similar. So you're, just like Phil, they don't have to be in the best form, but there's just something about those two at Augusta, regardless of recent play coming in, it just seems to make sense again. I 100% agree. And you've actually set me up with a really beautiful transition because since we're talking about Augusta, let's talk about the defending champion who apparently can't break 75 uh mr patrick reed which by the way what oh. what are your thoughts on justine reed pat's wife calling david ledbetter without patrick reed's knowledge and asking him to come out and help patrick with the swing because he feels like it's broken good wife or Dumpster overstepping fire. Fire. What is, <laughs> first of all ledbetter i mean <laughs> yeah. oh. wait you couldn't afford butch what what happened oh yeah i think yeah, yeah. i don't know she might have got a wrong number. Yeah. Um, there's someone. Uh, I don't know. That that's. Uh, it looks better. Just just fight. Just fight through, dude. I mean, just. I don't know. That's really weird to have a relationship like that where your your wife calls us. I, I don't know. That's. Uh, I think that that's probably going to backfire. Yeah, that, um, that just doesn't seem like a very good thing. So, I, of all the eight players in, in this entire tournament, based on recent evidence, you got to think that Patrick Reed's got the worst chance of making it out of his group. And that's the thing is like. His B, C, D player, the combination of the three seems, you know, compared to a lot of these other guys with the A you know, in their A groups, seems relatively manageable, and yet I have no confidence that Patrick Reed is going gonna, is gonna to make it to Saturday. No, I don't think he – I think the only person he can beat is Putnam. Uh, Lowry's in really good form. Mm-hmm. Sergio's just too good of a ball striker. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see Reed I, – I, I see Sergio definitely getting through out of that group. I just – Reed, yeah, he just – I don't know. Uh, too bad. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, it's, not, it's not like he's, he's 103 in the world. You know what I mean? He's still 16 in the world. It's not like he's missing a ton of cuts. You're just Sometimes the ball doesn't go in the hole. Sometimes right. you, you're getting a bunch of in-between yardages. You know what I mean? It's not always necessarily a swing. It's just like it's a confidence thing. You're so used to, you know, it, it, that can happen over mm-hmm. a, a – a little bit of a stretch where everything that was coming so easily and seemed easy, you know, uh, there, it can be a combination of things. He, he'll be fine. He's one of the best young players out there. He just, he, he's, he's kind of dug himself a hole with, you know, the persona he kind of built up and he just needs to get back to the drawing board and, and, and go back to what got him there. Um, I think he's going to be pretty consistent over for, for, for a long time, and, and we need that guy to get back to form for the Ryder Cup. 
Yeah. As far as like a, a parallels to a sport, he kind of seems like a like a less prolific, less generationally talented Barry Bonds, but just applied to golf. Yeah. Is that no, just that's me? Good. That's, no, that's a, that's a good take. Yeah. Um, he, he, it's almost like he likes being the bad guy, but that's not that's not baseball. Yeah. That's not what you're looking for in golf. You're looking for all the, the good juju that you can get. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you to make two predictions, my man. Um, first one, I guess, would be of all the A players, right? Of the guys ranked 1 mm-hmm. through 16, who do you think yep. is the most likely to take uh, to take this thing down? Most likely out of the A players, I'm going to go Justin Rose. Yeah, see, that's that. That's where my I immediately win as well. I just I love everything about what Justin Rose is doing with his golf swing and just yeah. just generally everything right now. He's so goddamn good. Um, Can't do anything wrong. No, no, not at all. Um, okay, so like Justin Rose from the A guys. If you had to pick a long shot, you know, one of the B through D players from one of the groups, is there anybody you mm-hmm. have your eye on that uh, you think has a good chance to uh, to take this thing down? Um, Jim Furyk. <laughs> yeah, <The> right. That's <laughs> so awesome. He's riding the t- I mean, for him to do that with players was awesome. It was so awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at him, and then uh, a B player I really like in this format is Patrick Cantlay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Mark Leishman and Patrick Cantlay are the two highest-ranked non-A guys in this tournament at 17 and 18. It, it would stand to reason that they got yeah. a pretty good chance. Yeah. yeah. Leishman's been so good. Um, it, it's it's It'd be cool if one of those guys won. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. – uh, dude, I, I think it's going to be a really, really good golf tournament, my friend. I'm really, really looking forward uh, to it. Always one of my favorites. Oh, man. Are, are you going to have an opportunity? Are you going to be having it on the shop? Or are you going to be able, how, how much of this tournament do you oh, think you're actually going to be able to, uh, it'll, it'll to ingest? Be, it'll be on the shop. There, I mean, there's nothing going to be changed on the TV. Yes. It's going to be nonstop on the shop, and it's going to be DVR at home as well. Yeah. D- does anybody actually ever come into the golf shop when there's golf on and ask if you can change a channel? I mean, whether it's somebody. Very, it's a bold. It's a very bold move. It's Scott. a bold ask. Um, yeah, it really is. Um it, not not very often now. It, okay. It's kind of if you're a golf course and golf's on, you don't touch the unless it's football season. Yeah, football season, and like playoff it, baseball or something. Yeah, but typically we're all about the golf there. That is well said. Um, well, boat. I got to say, man, thank you so much. Uh, this has been awesome. I, I'm, bet, I'm even more pumped now for this uh, this tournament this weekend. Do you have any uh, any parting thoughts you'd like to share with the uh, the listenership out there? It's the, just the the different types of strategy in match play is so much fun to watch. They can literally hit these different types of shots, um, being aggressive, playing away from flags, depending on where the match stands. Extra holes in match play is like the greatest thing ever. Um, it's, 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 it's so great. I I love match play. Love match play. In, in, in the perfect world, the, in your opinion... The purest form of golf. No, I 100% agree. If you are PGA Tour Commissioner, how many match play tournaments are there on a on a tournament calendar in any given year? I think, I mean, obviously, you know, the Ryder Cup or President's Cup, that's different. But I think this, it's... I think you try and add at least one. I think it would be... And the European has their match play as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it would be really cool to add a match play and have it at one of the courses that doesn't require that much crowd control, 
like, dude, like a match play at Marion or a match play to somewhere like East Coast, smaller, smaller type, like a match play at Harbortown. How oh cool would that be? Dude, that would be incredible. Oh, On that man. golf course, match play? Oh. Oh. Yeah. That would be awesome. Oh. Um, it would be great if they could add another match play because I think it really, it, it really is it's the best form of golf. And it's, it's really, really fun to watch. You're going to see some guys take some chances. They wouldn't normally take on a Thursday or a Friday. Yeah. It's a different type of golf. Uh, I think it's, 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 just, it's better golf to watch. Dude. It's so cool. I agree. Ups and downs in a match. I agree. Cause I mean, from, from a commissioner standpoint, I mean, if you want to grow the game and get people more interested in it, I think from a spectator standpoint, match play is unquestionably more entertaining. Uh, especially from a casual golf fan who maybe doesn't understand the intricacies of you know plotting your way around eighteen holes, but like it doesn't it doesn't take a, a genius to get like you versus you on this hole who's better, and it's and it's riveting to watch and yeah man it, I I I love match play I wish there was more of it but uh, since this is all I get uh, I'm I'm just gonna enjoy the living hell out of it this weekend. Oh, the, one of my favorite memories of match play we talked about it last time. Uh, Anthony Kim and Sergio Garcia in the yes. Ryder Cup. The guy was just having the time of his life. He didn't know that he closed out Sergio. He's stomping off to the next hole. And Sergio is just standing on the last green, just laughing, waiting <laughs> to shake his hand and, and admit that the Sergio was such a good trooper about that. And that was so cool. Anthony just pumped up the crowd. And people were just like, dude, you, you closed him out. Go back and shake his hand. You won, that brother. So Oh, that was such a TV moment. That was uh, so great. Yeah, that is phenomenal. Well, but I got to tell you, I think that is a perfect note to end on. Um, I, I man, happy viewing, man. This, this is going to be a wonderful five days. And on top of that, there's another reason this tournament's so great. We get an extra day of golf. How just ha- I know it's great. Uh, uh, I it, love the Wednesday starts. Oh, it's really beautiful. Well, boat. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate you taking some time. We we went a little over on time, but I think it was well worth it. Thanks for having me on, man. It's such a blast. I love it, dude. Absolutely, brother. Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking again soon. Uh, and I, I, there's a little tournament. I, I think you referenced it earlier at uh, uh, at Augusta National here in a couple of weeks. And uh, I would be honored did if you and out, I did they send out invitations in the mail for that one? Uh, they do, and I believe they already have. Is it, is it called the Augusta Masters Invitational Tournament? Oh yeah, I I believe we are referencing the same golf tournament. And so I think what's going to be necessary is uh, before that tournament takes place, maybe even like a full week and a half in advance, I think you and I are going to have to get together for somewhat of a megapod. A real, you know, we, we might even have to bring our old friend Casey uh, Casey Edmondson into the mix and get a get a try, yeah, get a try person Masters preview going. I think that's it's what the listeners deserve, and so I feel like we need to give it to them. I think I would probably sponsor the wheel for that one. Yes. I would sponsor the pizza. Oh, it's phenomenal. All right, perfect. Well, I'm going to get talking to Casey so we can get that on the books here. Hopefully, maybe week after next, like maybe Monday of Masters Week, we'll uh, we'll, we'll make that happen. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, buddy. Perfect. All right. Well, Boat, thank you again, my man. I will, uh, I will talk to you soon, all right? All right. All right. Be well. Later, brother.